The Bible Study Podcast, episode 655. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Genesis with chapter 11. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. This is the last episode we're going to have here in Genesis that is before Abram. We're going to get into Abram or Abraham in next chapter. We're going to get into his family this chapter and start the story of the patriarchs next chapter. But first we get the Tower of Babel. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is an odd story, and it certainly seems like an apocryphal story. It's that got that kind of feel to it, but I wasn't there, so I won't say anything about that. But the point in the story here is that people are working together, and they're doing something. Now, the interesting thing is what they're doing seems a little pointless in the sense that they're building a tower, and a tower is an accomplishment, but it doesn't necessarily do anything for you. They weren't building a bridge to get across a river. They weren't doing something that was particularly significant other than it showed that they could do it. And God decides to frustrate their plans in this story, and he decides to frustrate their plans by making it difficult for them to understand each other. And language definitely has been something that separates groups from most of history here, and this is the biblical account of where that comes about. And again, I don't I don't know if this is a historic or an apocryphal story, but it is told as a historic story that it happens in this one time and that this is where the languages are uh, confused. But you have to wonder the reason for the tower and then the reason for God's response. And so the people come together and they say, let's build a tower that reaches to heaven. Let's build a tower to make a name for ourselves. And so what they're looking for here is they're looking for some sort of immortality, let's say, some sort of ability to last beyond the time, uh, some sort of build the great wonder of the world. We don't have the seven wonders yet, so we're before that, so maybe we're going to build the, the first wonder of the world. And God frustrates them, and I wonder if the reason that he frustrates their plans is that they're just doing something for the pride of it. Certainly, I think that sometimes God frustrates my plans when that's my motivation. And certainly one way to frustrate my plans is to make it difficult for me to communicate with somebody else. And 
the couple things that we can come out of that is that we can accomplish great things when we can communicate and cooperate and work with others, that that is the key to accomplishing great things. Now, I think we ought to focus on great things that are of great value rather than something that just gets us remembered. We're in a difficult time right now where we do need to come together even though we are apart because it's a very difficult time, especially more difficult for some than others, more difficult for healthcare workers, more difficult for people who have lost their job because they're having to stay home. And the only way to tackle something like a pandemic is actually together, together but apart. And if you don't think it's easy for one person to frustrate the plans with their actions, then I'd suggest you read up on Typhoid Mary, who was a woman who was a carrier of a disease who refused to stop working in situations where she would give it to people, even after she was told she was a carrier of the disease and she couldn't, for instance, work in people's homes cooking meals for them. One person can frustrate a larger group with their actions. Continuing on from Shem to Abram, this is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was a 100 years old, he became the father of Arphazad. And after he became the father of Arphazad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphazad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphazad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah lived had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of Reu. And after he became the father of Reu, Peleg lived 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Reu had lived 32 years, he became the father of Surug, and after he became the father of Surug, he lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Surug had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor, and after he became the father of Nahor, Surug lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah, and after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur and the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. We get, again, a genealogy, you know that's my favorite, of from Shem, Shem the son of Noah, to Abram, and then we get this starting of the story of Abram with the story of Terah, his father, the father who has three sons, and one of the sons, Haran, H-A-R-A-N, 
dies, and his grandson Lot is with them, and they're going to go to Canaan, but along the way, they make a stop. And before we get into that, do you want to talk a little bit about the genealogy? One thing to note in the genealogy is, I thought we said people weren't going to live more than 120 years, and now they're living longer again in the time of Noah. And that could be because there isn't as much disease. It could be because the mechanism by which we age had reverted again. I don't know what the story is there. But do note that during that time of that genealogy, they're living shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until it's coming close to what we expect today to be kind of the absolute maximum age for people, which is something like 120, and most of us don't get anywhere near that. But we start with 403, and then 430, and 209, and 207, and 200, and 119, and there's this terrible thing going on where people are dying sooner and sooner. And of course, the other thing that is happening at the same time is there are more and more people on the earth. Again, so whether this is disease, because disease will happen if you did not know it, in places with more people more easily, and I think that is becoming very apparent to many of us these days, or whether it's just a natural thing of that dis- uh, natural result of that decision that God made that people weren't going to live as long, and this is implementing over time as people change and the generations don't know, but it's quite striking in that genealogy, how much it is changing from one generation to another. It basically, over the course of eight generations, it goes down to a quarter of the lifespan of the original person in that, from Shem. So, and then we've got Terah, and Terah's son, Haran, doesn't even live that long. Terah's son, Haran, dies. Doesn't say why he dies, doesn't say how. But Terah and Abram, and Lot and Sarai are all traveling from Ur of the Chaldeans, which we believe would be in uh, Iraq, modern-day Iraq, and they're going down to Canaan, which would be modern-day Israel, that land that will become the promised land generations from now. But as they're traveling there, they stop in a town called Haran, H-A-R-R-A-N, not H-A-R-A-N, like the name of the lost son, but really close to that. And it doesn't say why, but it says that even though they're trying to get to Canaan, they stop and settle in Haran. And I have to wonder, and I've heard others speculate on this as well, if it's because its name is really close to the name of the lost son. Get the impression that they're trying to get someplace they're trying to get someplace, but they get stuck. They get emotionally stuck in this loss of this lost son. I am speculating, but certainly there's a reason why they're telling us the name of this city and the name of the lost son. They're probably related to the point of the story. It is easy for us to get stuck to get stuck in the past and forget where we're going. It's easy for us to look to live our life looking backwards and not looking forwards, to live our life looking back at regret and loss instead of forward towards hope and future. 
it is particularly easy for us to do that in difficult times, like the loss of a child. How could one not live full of loss and pain and regret and looking backwards? But it gets us stuck. Terah sets off on a journey to get to Canaan and never makes it because he stops along the way, apparently because he starts looking in the wrong direction. So even in difficult times, especially in difficult times, I think it's important for us to look forward, to look forward with hope for better days, for days that are not so filled with loss, for days that are not so filled with dread, and to keep an eye on the direction that we're heading and where we're trying to go. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says that Abram was looking for a city whose architect and builder was God. Abram is heading in a specific direction, not to a place, but to a relationship, and we'll see that next week. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.